This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Life is lived with a lot of emotion. And while we have many emotions right now, culturally, we're experiencing just a few, but they are intense. It's not even that we're trying to figure out how to be happy. It's that we're overwhelmed with a unique kind of grief. For some, it feels like the sun is setting on hope. Like the cold grip, the iciness of sorrow deep in the soul is ever present. It's like our souls have moved to a new home of darkness. And you can't escape it. Many of you are hurting for different reasons. You're in pain for different reasons. For some, you had a dream and it's been shattered. For others, you were in love and that's been crushed. And it's interesting that as we, as we live life, in the midst of chasing the best of life, we often experience the worst of life. Life seems to be moments of joy and happiness, and then moments, sometimes seasons for many years, of unhappiness and sorrow and sadness. And then for many, there is a different kind of pain. There's a kind of pain and sorrow that is eroding hope. The, the, the hope you had that maybe one day it'll be better. Maybe one day it will be different. Maybe one day it'll be the way it should be. Maybe, maybe my kids will be able to grow up in a world that is more at peace where people love people. And an eight-minute and 46 second video for many seems like it has closed the door on that hope what happened to Mr. Floyd is inexcusable but what we know that act of Hatred, that act that was senseless and criminal, what, what we know is that it's not only about Mr. Floyd. It is about a history and a pattern that has created a context, a context of distrust, a context at times of abuse, of hatred. And that creates and is creating and has created a unique kind of pain. But I'm reminded that even in our pain, as we approach the second week in this series called the Beatitudes, where Jesus lays out how to be happy, how to enjoy life, which feels so foreign to what we're feeling right now, as we approach 
the second one that Jesus talks to us about. It's important before we read the words, the words of Jesus, to understand the context of the person who would speak these words. I'm reminded that in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 3, the Bible says he is despised, speaking about Jesus, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So the verse we're going to look at this morning, as we get to the second of the Beatitudes, it is breathed from, spoken from, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We talked about how that word blessed literally means in the language beyond happy, a, a perfection of happiness, a happiness that is overflowing. And so Jesus, when he sits down to teach the most famous teaching he ever taught, it's going to last three chapters long. Today we're looking at one verse, one verse, but it lasts three chapters long in that teaching He begins with eight ways that you and I can be happy. So if you've ever heard that God doesn't care if you're happy, that's not true. Why would Jesus lay out at the beginning of this message, hey, here's how you can experience and live a happy life. And and he, he begins with blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And then the second one, the second one, out of all eight, He could go anywhere with number two. The first one, he says, you need to know that you'll be happy. You'll experience a unique kind of happiness, a next level happiness, when you understand that there is a God and you are not him. That there is a God and we can trust him. He is faithful. He is for us. We can rely on him. That I am nothing without him. He starts there. There is a God and he loves us. Then number two, when he could go anywhere, he goes to, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Is comfort the blessing that comes from mourning? Because I think the blessing we would vote for, the blessing we would choose is, I don't want to have to mourn at all. Why would Jesus, in the very second one, go to, blessed are those who mourn? I think it's important because I think right now, all of us, for one reason, and many of us, for other reasons, are mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Why do we mourn? We mourn because we love. If we didn't love, if we didn't care, we wouldn't be mourning. If you're not mourning right now for what's happening in our nation, for what's been happening in our nation, then something is desperately wrong with you. Because the Bible teaches that you and I are to love God and love others. We're to love every single person. And so when a person, when people are harmed, when injustice takes place, we're supposed to care at a level that it's not just a feeling we feel. It's an expression that comes out of us. There's an action that we take, and that action is one of empathy. We are to be the kind of people that when someone is hurting, we come and we put our arm around them, and they don't just hear I'm with you, they feel I'm with you. We mourn because we love. That word mourn literally means to deeply grieve the loss of someone or something. To deeply grieve the loss of someone or something. And you have lost something. There are snapshots of pain in the history of your life. But there was a loss of a friendship. There was a loss of a job. There was a loss of an opportunity. There was a loss of a love. 
For some, the loss of a child, close friend. And more recently, the loss is staggering, to deeply grieve the loss of someone or something. So Jesus knows that in this world, because we live in a broken world, we're going to live in a world where there are waves of pain, where pain comes in and out of our lives. It's part of the world. Jesus told us, he was very clear, he said, in this world you will have trouble. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard because we live in a broken, sin-filled world. People do not love people the way they're supposed to. But the church, the church should be the place where love is profound and where love is contagious in a way that it moves into the life of, lives of people and it moves into the lives in the community. To grieve the loss of something or someone, pain. Pain can blind us to possibility. In our pain, pain pain has a way of shrinking our vision to the moment. And if we're not careful in our pain, in that moment of pain, all we can see is the pain and we can get into a cycle of pain. And if we don't go through it in a healthy way, you can become emotionally stuck in that pain for the rest of your life. Pain is not something you can go over. Pain is not something you can go under. Pain is not something you can get around. Pain is something you and I have to go through. So God in his wisdom and out of how much he loves us, knowing what we would have to walk through in this life, he lays out at the the second point as Jesus is rolling through these beatitudes, how to experience extreme happiness in life. He, toward the beginning, says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. How can God bless those who mourn? What does that even look like? We read in the book of Romans that God can take everything that was meant for evil and make it good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We read those words, but how do we even get there? What is that address? How do I throw that in the emotional GPS of my life to arrive at the place where I've worked through this and I'm in a better place, the world is in a better place, and something positive has happened as a result? How do we do that? How can God bless deep emotional pain? I think there are two or three ways that I would suggest that I I think we can hold on to this week. The first one is this. God may feel further, but he's actually closer. There's something about when we go through pain, it makes God feel further away. When we go through pain, we have those thoughts of if there is a loving God, how could he allow this to happen? If God cared and if we mattered, how would this be the case? In pain, the voices of discouragement are louder than the voices of hope. In pain, we get stuck in the quicksand of what we feel, and what we feel changes how we see life, how we see ourselves, and even how we see God. But the reality is, listen, if you're a follower of Christ, when you're walking through seasons of pain, when you're walking through deep sorrow, when you're grieving, God may feel further, but he's actually closer. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I don't know about you, but for me, that verse is something I hold on to often. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 
So if you're grieving, if you're hurting, if you don't even know how to process or what to do with everything you're feeling, because it's not just one thing, it's cumulative. It's been happening, it's been going on, and all of that, you feel the emotional tidal wave of the pain of all of it. Where do you go with that? Hey, it just means that when you're feeling that, when you're crushed in spirit, that God moves even closer. See, What we feel is not always real. And sometimes what's real, we don't feel. Sometimes the pain is too much. But the reality and the truth from a loving God who loves us deeply says, hey, in spite of how you feel in this moment, this is reality. When you are hurting, it draws me. And just like any good father, when my kids are hurting, I don't don't leave and go do something else and not worry about it. If my kids are hurting... I come in, I want to have a conversation. I want to know how I can help. And, and, and I want to know what I can do. And when, when they're hurting, I'm hurting. I, I, I'm there. I'm present. And I'm messed up. How much more is a perfect God present when we, his children who he created, are hurting? The Lord is close to. Hey, today, if you're brokenhearted, in this moment, if you're crushed in spirit, God is close. He's available. You can turn further into the pain, or you can turn to him with the pain. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Another way God blesses those who mourn, God blesses those in deep emotional pain. When we grieve, God grieves. When we grieve, God grieves. John chapter 11, one of Jesus' closest friends, Lazarus, dies. And if you know the story, you know that Jesus goes to where he is. And he shows up what seems like too late. If he'd gotten there earlier, he's already done some miracles when he raised people from the dead. If he'd gotten there earlier, maybe he could have handled this. If you've never read the story, John chapter 11. If you have a Bible or you can check out the YouVersion app, go online, read John chapter 11. Because Lazarus, Jesus' close friend, dies. Jesus shows up and Jesus sees how his sisters, how the people who knew Lazarus are hurting. And what is his response before he brings Lazarus back to life? The shortest verse in all the Bible. John eleven thirty five. 35. Now, some people, based on your experience, some people think the shortest verse in the Bible is no, because you feel like God says no to you all the time. And you view God as a cold, hard God, and you feel like maybe God has favorites and you're not one of them, because somehow he shows love and blessing to other people, but somehow it escapes you. Now, the shortest verse in the Bible is this, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible speaks of a compassionate and loving God. Now, think about that. Jesus wept. Jesus is the Son of God. He knew he was going to bring Lazarus back to life. He knew what he was going to do. He he was not weeping because Lazarus had died. He's about to bring the boy back. He's weeping because people are hurting. He's weeping because he has the ability to feel the depths of grief that people are feeling and sorrow. and, And he feels that with us. So today, if you're grieving, if there's sorrow deep in your soul, God grieves with you. Not only is he there, he's grieving with you. Another way that God blesses us when we're mourning, he creates purpose out of my pain. Now, sometimes this is hard to hear because we'd rather not have that purpose, but the reality is God does create purpose out of my pain. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. I I love the Living Bible translation. It says, what a wonderful God we have. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts 
and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. God is the only one that has the ability to turn your pain and give purpose to it, to create purpose out of your pain. If you're suffering, you're a part of what some have called the fellowship of suffering. And the power of the fellowship of suffering is this. When people who have suffered in a significant way take that suffering and cause it to, allow it to cause them to have more compassion toward humanity, more compassion toward other people. When people who have suffered in a deep way walk into the room in your life in a moment of your struggle and your pain, their words weigh more. When they say, hey, I love you, I understand, and it's going to be okay. Th- those words... They sink deeper into our souls. If you've walked through pain, you have the ability. If you recognize God is there, if you recognize that He's grieving with you, if you turn to Him with your pain instead of turning further into your pain, you have the ability to actually allow God to begin to heal and comfort other people through you. So the question is, in the hurting, in the sorrow... In the man, enough is enough. I've had it. I'm at the end of my rope. I can't take anymore. In all of that, Jesus knows we feel like that. So he says, hey, I want you to be happy. I want you to enjoy life. But sometimes in life, things are going to happen. You can't be happy all the time. You live in a broken world. And so when those things happen that create grief and sorrow deep in your life, I want to show you the path to healing. I want to show you how to experience not just happiness, but How to help other people around you be comforted. So the question is, what can you do so you will like the you on the other side of this pain? What can you do so you will like the you on the other side of this pain? Because if you dive further into pain and you let bitterness be birthed in your heart and you begin to return hate for hate and you begin to return anger for anger and you begin to treat people the way you've been treated, it is an endless cycle. Somebody has to say, man, I I love Jesus. I'm going to be a part of changing this. No matter how unfair, no matter what happened, no matter what's wrong, man, we, we, we pursue justice, but at the same time, we pursue that with love. See, pain can either be a stumbling block or a stepping stone. Pain will either trip you up and cause you to stop in your emotional maturity at that point in your life, and you never get past it if you get stuck in the pain, or it can be a stepping stone to where it, it becomes a greater platform in your life and you have influence with others. See, here's the reason. It's not how we handle prosperity that impresses people. It's how we handle pain. It's not success that gives us credibility. It's suffering. It's not fame that will bring respect and admiration from others. It's faithfulness in dark days. It's those people who, although there's intense sorrow and sadness and grieving, there's still a joy behind it and under it. And I know right now that may be hard to feel and you're grasping for it, but it's there because he moves closer and it's there because he's grieving with us and it's there because we have the opportunity to allow God to take something that is horrific And use us to make it different. Your pain will become your platform. What you walk through and go through, suffer through and experience sorrow and grief through, 
If you turn to God through that process and hold on to him through that process, he will change you in a way that it elevates that area of your life. And and people will know what you've walked through and they will wonder how and why you smile today. How and why you continue to believe in God. Your life, who you are, will intrigue them. And the curiosity will drive them occasionally in the office or on the ball field or in the neighborhood to make comments and ask questions. Pain changes us. We get to decide if it's for better or worse. And maybe you're thinking there's no way it can be better. There's nothing better that can come out of what we're walking through right now. Have you ever known somebody that said, man... If I could go back in time, I would never want to go through that again. But today, I wouldn't be the person that I am if I hadn't gone through that. I wouldn't sign up for it again. Don't ever want it to happen again. But somehow God used that in my life, and God took that in a way that only God can. And as I walked through it, a lot of days of deep sorrow and grieving, God was able to soothe my heart. God was able to bring me comfort, and now what he's done is I'm able to speak into other people's lives and walk into people's lives. I'm able to walk in the room when everybody else walks out and care for somebody that's in the midst of hurting in a way that they understand. And as the church, for a moment, I want to speak just to those of you that are part of C3 Church. As the church, Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Can I say just a word to those of you who know someone who's suffering? We're all suffering about what's happening culturally, but, and we're all in sorrow about that. But if you know someone who's walking through a personal sorrow, not a corporate cultural sorrow, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. It is your presence without your lectures that are healing. When someone is hurting And something else took them to the address of hurting. We don't get to say, get over it. Nobody gets to say, move on. When we're hurting, we don't want to hear those words. They mean nothing. Also, if you know someone that's hurting, don't don't toss out the verbal grenade of, well, at least you have three other kids. Well, Well, at least... You can meet somebody else later, at least as damaging. I don't want other kids. I want the kid that passed away. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Our culture. Our culture is in trouble. But I have hope. I have a confident hope because cultures and peoples have been in trouble throughout the ages and God is always faithful. And I'm praying on a regular basis, and I know many of you are praying that God would take something horrific. And in our pursuit of justice, in our pursuit of justice where a wrong is addressed in a significant way, It's important for us as the church to recognize a couple of things. Not just C3, but the church at large around this nation, if you're a part of a church. The church, 
The church has been a significant problem and significant contributor to the issue of race in our nation. Churches, back when we could meet, were were filled with people that would say they love God while in the same breath, without saying it, no inside they hate people just for who they are. The church, while God had this idea of church and unleashed it on planet Earth, Earth, the church is to be a healer and a helper, not a harmer and a contributor. And so God speaks directly to the church about our attitude and who we are. Second Chronicles chapter 7 says, If my people, the people of God, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So the question, the question you have to ask and the question I have to ask is, what is my sin? What is my sin? And if you're watching this and you've, you've not loved all people equally, you've not viewed every person as deeply valued by God, every person, you've not understood that in life there are no less thans. It, it doesn't matter what someone's ethnicity is or their background or their mistakes or their their achievements, all that, every single person is equally and deeply loved by God. And if you haven't been that kind of person and you represent Jesus, that's sin, and you need to repent of that and confess it to Him. And then as Christ followers, we all need to understand, hate will never give birth to love, and violence will never usher in peace. So we look at the model of Jesus and how He lived His life. And we are representatives of Jesus. And in our pain, in our sorrow, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, lived in a peaceful way and loved at such a level, it changed the world, gave us hope, gives us an eternity, and we're talking about it 2,000 years later. So let's do what Romans 12.10 says. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is our hope. This is where true freedom is found. And this is how we change culture and society and leave a world for our children and grandchildren that is better. This is how we heal. Because when you offer comfort, when you extend love, even when you're grieving, when you offer comfort to someone else, it's comforting to you. God somehow comforts us. And we comfort others. So blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Hey, would you pray with me? If you bow your head, close your eyes. Maybe, maybe today you're in a place where you don't know God like that. I want you to know that there is a God who loves you deeply. And right now would love to know you in a personal way. Do you have a personal, intimate relationship with God? Where, where you can experience God being drawn in and there in your sorrow. God grieving with you. God creating purpose out of your pain. If not, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. If you'd like to commit your life to Christ today, for some of you, today is your day. This entire moment is all about this moment. If that's where you are, just pray this simple prayer. Just say, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life, forgive my sin, and help me to live for you. God, as best I know how, 
I commit my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I'd love to know that. I'd love the opportunity of being able to pray for you by name. So I want to invite you to shoot us a text. Just send it to 407-487-8311 with just your first name. Send your first name to 407-487-8311. I will get those names today throughout the day. I will be praying for you today and throughout this week by name. I'd love the opportunity to do that. And hey, I, I, I want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm excited about next weekend, but in the moments in between now and then, you're hurting, you're in sorrow, if you're grieving, I'm with you. I'm with you in whatever you need. I can't wait to see you next week. Have a great day. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at givec3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.